No discussion of comfort would be complete without a, a nod to stretch fabric, floppy sweat tops and the elasticised waistband. Uh, these things, well, they've traditionally been anathema to the world of, of high fashion style, but then came a certain pandemic and a retreat to the domestic interior and the the many manifestations, often necessary manifestations of, of comfort that went with that sometimes enforced retreat, has that moment lingered? Is is comfy here to stay in the world of clothes? Uh, let's ask Kirsty Clements. Kirsty is a columnist at the New Daily, former editor-in-chief of Vogue Australia, joins us now. Kirsty, hello. Hi, Jonathan. COVID core, it's a thing. Mm. <laughs> can, you, can, mm. <laughs> you, can, can you give us a brief history of this, of this trend? Yeah, COVID core. Well, obviously... You know, when we were we were put into to lockdown and everything became about comfort clothing, while we were kind of dealing with that that kind of uh, that huge change of lifestyle, where all of a sudden you were working for your desk. People had Zoom outfits, so it was corporate at the top and track pants at the bottom. <laughs> um, you know, you're going out for your one one day daily, you know, small walk or trip to the grocery store, but it was all about comfort and you know hoodies and sweats and. Um, exercise wear. I guess people were exercising at home as well. So that became, you know, not only the only uniform we really needed, um, you didn't need accessories, you didn't need handbags, you didn't really need any shoes. So, um, you know, apart from that, I think it was also very comforting to us in very strange Mm. times to be sort of enveloped and wrapped in something that was softer. Um, You know, if if you're living in a small combined quarters. So, yeah, that became, you know, COVID core and there was lots of fashion, there was no fashion going on in the outside world, so there was a lot written about that. But I think that it, it you know, it translated when we were let out, <laughs> um, released back into society and it has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. That idea of, of, of wearing something because it, it is comforting. Um, oh, I think so. I mean, but that that seems that seems in in so many respects unrelated to the way in which fashion sees itself. That it, that's yes. not well, really what it's about. No, I mean fashion is you know is is a flight of creative ideas. It's about self expression from the designer and also the person who chooses to wear clothes in a particular way and be perceived in a particular way. So that is all about creativity and artifice and theatricality, which COVID is the opposite of. In uh, that was more about just functional clothing and, you know, mm. it's almost Armageddon clothing in a way. You know, so, like, when we came out, there was a lot of out of, out of lockdowns, there was a lot of utility wear, like utility jackets and, um, you know, ho- uh, hooded things and things that were kind of protecting you from this scary outside world. And fashion changed. You know, fashion is very much a reflection of the time and moves as a reaction to those things. Um, but I think once people really had that taste of comfort all the time, it's been hard to let go of. Also because people are still reasonably traumatised by those the changes that have happened. Yeah, so, that, that yeah. idea of, of protective, uh, a protective element to those mm. those styles, the hoodie you mentioned, that's, that's, that's a really interesting nuance to that. In big, big boots and big overcoats, I mean, things that are not necessarily relatable to a hot climate, but mm. but you definitely saw in Europe and in menswear shows and things like that. And then, of course, you know, fashion reflects the pandemic as reflective of things, um, surrealist movements that came in after the war, after the Great Depression. So when there's been a big global event, 
fashion sort of when he come out goes mad on the other side to say, well, we're still here and putting their hands up and we're still dreaming, you know. So interesting. it's interesting time um, in fashion commentary when you have those big events like that. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you mentioned Second World War there and, and what happened mm. after that. And, and I mean, mm. broadly in the culture, there was that great sudden sense of, of, of liberation and expression. But I mean, yeah. I'm thinking of the clothes through the war and apart from uniform, I'm thinking of a, yeah, an austerity, a, a simplicity, yes. a practicality. Yes, because there was a scarcity of fabrics and, you know, women drawing on their own stockings, seamed stockings and, you know, having to, there was scarcity of leather, I think, so they had to move mm. to like cork and things like that, shoes. Um and then so went then went to the fifties and was the big skirts and the big ball gowns and the sort of general overblown prettiness of everything as a reaction to that, which was the which were the flapper years. So, um, and what came out of COVID, I think, with the two very distinctly different movements in fashion. One is this, you know, athleisure comfort wear that has stayed and actually gotten bigger yep. and then this very very theatrical. The couture is on at the moment in Paris, and if you look at those shows. You know, they are 10,000 times more overblown than they've ever been because I think there's this hungering for this um, beautiful escape. Does that risk, however, those two trends occurring simultaneously, does that does that risk placing an even greater distance between couture and reality? Yes, yes, but you do because you can in couture, really. <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> and you're trying to make, you're trying to make waves for the house because essentially pretty much the people in comfort wear are only going to buy in and get the handbag or the fragrance or maybe a shoe. They're not going to buy the couture. So it's it's more of a marketing exercise to talk about craftsmanship and ateliers and, you know, the petit mains and the, the, what you put into these things. And a lot of them are experimenting with AI as well. So, mm. again, they are mm. a reflection of our times. But I think it was um, Schiaparelli sent out a, like, what looked to be a baby, a toddler in somebody's arms that was all made of... Um, old phones and, you know, bits of technology and things, and it was a commentary on AI. So, and things are being cut. You you know, people are using that sort of those use processes to, to cut laser cutting and laser printing and 3D printing. So, you know, they, they, they have to coexist because we can't all live like that, but we do want to see that. Is, is the gap, though, maybe bigger than it's ever been between the everyday and, and that high expression of fashion? Possibly because, from, and I, I do base it on, you know, I live in Sydney and looking at Sydney and any, whenever I have international visitors or anybody come, they always say to me, what's with the active wear in this city? Because <laughs> it pretty much the day-to-day uniform is active wear now. It's not like you're just wearing active wear on the coffee run or to pick the kids up from school or whatever. It is literally what everybody is wearing. And so it seems to be a distinct lack of clothes. <laughs> and so people are getting dressed up, I guess, you know, to go out, really out, like the other end. But in terms of day-to-day, even office wear, really, really relaxed. And, yeah, and that 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 is a big chasm. I think you're right. Mm. And, and COVID, of, mm. of course, had, had a role to play in that, but I wonder if that trend was already in train before the pandemic, if already we were in our yoga yeah. pants. Oh, it, it definitely was, but because if you think about men, men have stopped wearing suits and ties, you mm, know, quite mm. a while back now. They don't need to go to work in a suit and tie unless it's a specific corporate environment. But that had definitely loosened up. But I guess it was more of what we fashion people would call athleisure. So you had a stretch pant with a elasticized waist or whatever, but you'd still put it with a jacket and 
you know, a nice shoe and a T-shirt. So you mixed it up. There might be, um, you know, a hoodie, but it would be under a nice blazer and put back with a jean or whatever. So it was mixed. But I think now it's just full on. Like I just wear the crop top and the and the cropped legging and who cares, done, dressed, you know. And the, <laughs> How, um, how and did I, you know so what I, I wore for this interview? <laughs> and, I like, and I think all I was like, I think, oh, my God, all those years at Vogue talking about office dressing and day into evening and what to wear to a blur and like, nah, nobody cares. It's just literally, um, you know, leggings and a crop top. Is that is that do you think does that become a permanent state? I mean, can can if if as you say, all those years at Vogue talking about those things and these were the ingredients of a of a stylish life. Well, I don't know. If you can ever say anything in fashion is a permanent state because it's existed to be impermanent and to actually just keep mm. changing and reflecting and selling and marketing and you know that it's the. It, it, it's it's part of the whole fashion cycle to keep making change. So I don't think you can say this is how we're dressing now and that's that's it for the future or we're all going to wear lost in space pantsuits and no one's going to deviate from that because fashion is about self-expression uh, at the end of the day and it is about taking into consideration all the other things that fashion has to take into consideration now with waste, climate change, um, you know, supply chain, um, uh, who makes who makes your clothes pollutants all that sort of stuff um particularly you know clothes that are unworn huge masses amount of clothes are produced and not worn not sold and how do you deal with that way so that's got to come into play as well so that'll change fashion at its core by seeing things that are upcycled recycled um recut different ways of approaching fashion as well i wonder if though the the, the long arc of the hist history of fashion, and you know, in, in in that I'm saying going back over you know two three hundred years, mm. is towards uh, slowly but surely some sort of humanity, some sort of a well, comforts too coarse a word for it, but yeah, something which is not imposed, which is not a a, a form which is sort of distinct yeah. from the person within it. Yeah. Yes, well, like you've, well, you've seen that with the breakdown of gendered fashion as well and people just saying, what on earth were we thinking? It was like smoking and planes. <laughs> yeah, it was like, why did we think we couldn't wear that and a man couldn't wear that and a woman couldn't wear that? It's absolutely ridiculous. We're even down to colours, pinks mm. and blues and, and that sort of nonsense. So um, I guess it is becoming more utilitarian. I think AI is going to change a lot of how we dress as well. Um, how is that going to work? Instance, well, the thing is, I think with AI as well, you can't just go, it's all going to be so futuristic that going to have colour-coded clothes, you know, clothes that can protect you from the elements and, you know, blow up. But at the same time, people are actually recognising artisanal techniques and specific from, you know, that we have that's kind of been um, not ignored but not celebrated enough of these sort of different cultural, you know, clothes and, and techniques that are now coming to the fore as well. So with, within fashion, there is always, there is a lot of things all going on at once. And yet, But I think that that idea towards, I do think, and they talked about all that, that's been talked about by, you know, style, um, futurists and what have you for a long time, is that idea of cocooning and we probably got there faster than we thought. But that's what's happened with that kind of at-home dressing, that once you did it, you were like, it's kind of a nice way to to live. <laughs> and I think also the, the way oh, – sorry, Jonathan, I was just on a roll, but I went to Bondi Beach on the weekend and then I went to Boy Charlton Pool, so I was like really looking at what everybody was wearing. And 
everybody's so into health and wellness and fitness that this kind of very body-conscious clothing mm. with stretch also makes sense, and it's very hot. So it makes sense that this is kind of become a new urban uniform. Does all of that begin to shift the notion that we have of, of what is style? Um, or is that an absolute? Is, is style not, a thing? Yeah, style's not related to fashion, or probably quite the opposite, you mm. know. We've, we've always said that in fashion magazines. You can tell if a person's got style or whether it's just head-to-toe label. It, it is, it's personal style is a very different thing. It's, a, it's about charisma and the way you put things together and a whole – it's different to actually following a fashion trend or anything that's been marketed to you. Um, and I possibly felt people found – really went into their own personal style in that time when we were, you know, confined. Yes. To sort of say, well, who am I? What do I – what am I happiest looking or looking like or feeling like, you know? It's all about chasing happiness too and, and that, security. Well, and that, that, that's perhaps, you know, the, the deepest expression of this idea of comfort too. I mean, you mentioned mm. a, a gendered fashion, well, but the, the, the mm. capacity through clothing to be yourself and to make an expression mm. of yourself in mm. all its splendour and variety, that is a, a, a truly profound and deep comfort. Completely. And I mean, that's why I don't, you know, fashion is, there's a, it's often scoffed at, but I think it, it, it provides people a lot of joy and act, actually talks to people's, how, how they feel about themselves inside and how they want to present themselves and gives them confidence and that form of self-expression um, is super important. And I think once you kind of cut through the marketing and all the stuff in the fashion world itself mm. and, you know, the catwalks and all that sort of stuff, you kind of drill down to you've got to kind of move that out of the way and the people that are placed in the front row to make all the noise and all that. But in there, there are these artisans and these, you know, these creatives that have come through making really beautiful, beautiful things um, to make people feel special. It's interesting because last time, Kirsty, we, we spoke, it was on the, the subject of, of stealth wealth. Yes. <laughs> sort of quiet. <laughs> well, see, of course, but Jonathan, there's always a reaction because we were like, okay, everything's stealthy and the the, de- the designers are like, hold my beer. Um, I'm going to throw out the craziest thing because that, that gerbil wheel has to keep turning. <laughs> so we've, we've, so we've, we've, we've sacrificed stealth just in favour of simple opulence, have we? Yeah. Well, no one wants to do stealth wealth on the red carpet at the Oscars, you know, so... And, you know, in a Laura Piano sweater, they're going to go the other way. So it's it, everything exists. It's all down to the marketing department. Yeah, I, I'm seeing, though, you know, that there's there are points of connection in all of this. I can I can see the, the continuum between comfort and stealth there. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess that's to, to link those two trends. I mean, stealth wealth was trying to maximise the, the, the yes. impression one made with one's comfort wear. Yeah, absolutely. Like track pants, but make them cashmere, you know, like a, a baseball cap, but make it, you know, Laura Piano, you know, and make it, or Hermes, and it's $695. So people were still in that, you know, they, I'm sure they weren't lying around in Valentino ball gowns. They still had to, everybody, it, it was a great leveller. Um, but then, you know, people can, will do that at the price point that they want to spend. Have you succumbed uh, to the, the lure of comfort yourself? Well, to an extent, but I mean, I don't go out in active wear. 
No, I no, I don't. But that's <laughs> for me. It's too exposed. I don't like the exposure. It's all there in your face. I don't know that anybody really needs to see that from me. Well, there's a lot of people that aren't <laughs> deterred by that possibility. I've got to say, from... <laughs> all, the, all everybody I saw at Bondi Beach. Yes, let them do it. Me, not so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I've certainly, for example, I bought a pantsuit the other day and it's black satin but the pants are like cargo pants and they've got an elastic waist so there is an interpretation of comfort in there but it's still a black satin pantsuit you know it's not leggings and a crop top well i think yeah, but, but, the, but there you are future casting i think and and, and being an <laughs> exemplar of, of yeah. how we might you know com- combine that stylishness with that sense yeah. of comfort the two things can coexist yeah. They completely coexist. Everything in fashion can coexist. It really depends on the individual and how they and their take on it. Kirsty, thank you, and I, I, I'm glad you come to us in a in a state of of, of comfort, but yeah. perfect poise. <laughs> Not if you saw me. It's so hot today. <laughs> Kirsty Clements, uh, columnist for New Daily, former editor in chief at Vogue Australia, and we we are talking there. The full possibilities of of clothes, of comfort, of style, of quatuor, they can be intermingled, they can be mixed, they can become as one on your glorious self. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.